So with that in mind, I want to ask you a question this morning. Um, it's, it's a rhetorical question, but I think it's one that we have to ask. Why in the world are so many young adults leaving the church and leaving the faith? Why, why is that happening? I, I'm, I'm thankful for our church. We have a, an ever-increasing number of young adults who are coming into our church here, and that's so encouraging to me. But do you know that the statistics tell us that at least 6 in 10 young adults, uh, millennials, uh, have left the church. And, um, you know, there's nobody that's more interested in, in that and in finding an answer to that than, than me. And there are some, some all kinds of explanations out there, lots of answers out there, uh, some of which I think have some merit, but honestly, none of which really satisfy me a whole lot because I think that uh, there are some underlying issues that we have to deal with uh, as a church and as those who are part of the church to, to kind of begin to understand what the reason is for that. And so today I want us to talk about that just a little bit. And interestingly, uh, we get a hint uh, to the answer to that question from one of the texts that we read this week as we're reading the Bible through uh, together. In, in fact, reading a lot of the Bible through together. We're not reading every verse because we don't have time to do that. But uh, I hope you're reading through with us. If you're not, <coughs> I hope that you will. Um, are you all coughing like I am? I think half the world is doing that right now. I feel great, but I, anyway. So... Did you notice when I said that a lot of people started coughing? Did y'all notice that? Anyway. <laughs> the text we're going to look at today uh, kind of helps us to address that. And it's found over in Exodus chapter 34. Now, I want to give you a little background on this text before we get into it. And then I'm going to spend a few minutes just kind of talking through the text and then coming to some conclusions about it, hopefully getting us to the point where we can begin to understand the answer to the question that I asked you right from the beginning. But this text pictures uh, the great man of God, Moses, as he's going up the mountain to be with God and to be with God all alone. Now, he's going up there because God has told him, now, I want you to carve out two tablets and I want you to come up here so that I can give you the commandments again. Now, do you remember what had happened? Moses had gone up to the mountain of God. He'd gotten the, 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 the commandments on two tablets of stone. He'd gotten the, the, the commandments of God on how he wants his people to live. And uh, Moses was up there 40 days and 40 nights. Well, during that time, the people of Israel down below decided Moses wasn't coming back, and so they just kind of started their own thing. And under the capable leadership of Aaron, <laughs> the weak leader, brother of Moses, uh, they began to wa worship this golden calf. Y'all remember that story? And uh, I hope you read through that. <clears throat> and uh, God tells Moses up on the mountain, Moses, you got to get down there, and I mean get down there quickly. 
Moses goes down. He's got the two tablets in his hand. He sees the partying and all that kind of stuff going on. What do he do? He throws them down, right? He destroys them. Then God wants to destroy all these people, and Moses intercedes for them very powerfully. Uh, He is a pastor's hero. And then God says, okay, Moses, we're going to try it again. And so he brings him back up the mountain with these tablets uh, ready for God to write on them again. And I'm just going to read a few verses here, beginning in uh, verse 6 of chapter 34. It says, uh, so picture Moses is on the mountain, just him and the, and the Lord. He says, and the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord. And he's, he's speaking his own name. He is revealing himself to his faithful servant, Moses. And he says, Yahweh, the Lord. And then this is what he says about himself. Now, I want you to remember before I read this. Moses has totally destroyed the commandments that God wrote out with his own finger. He threw it down. He destroyed it. And you're thinking, Moses is probably thinking when he goes back up there, I'm a dead man. You know? You know what I mean? This is what God says. The Lord, the God of compassion and mercy... I am slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and their grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even the children in the third and fourth generations. Now, God is talking about the fact that he is compassionate and mercy and slow to, full of mercy, slow to anger, filled with unfading love. I, I actually, um, y- y'all know I have to, I'm reading a week ahead of you, right? I've, I've got to do that so I can preach on Sunday and give a little time to think about this. When I read this verse, I, I said, what an awesome verse. And I posted it uh, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, and a lot of people responded, but I got one response because I only, I only posted the first part down through uh, the, the first part of verse 7. And uh, one lady responded kind of chiding me. said, yeah, God's all that good stuff. Yes, of course he is, but he also, uh, he's not somebody to be messed with. If you, if, if you sin against him, he will punish you. I said, well, I didn't say anything to her. I didn't respond. But isn't that so typical of the way we are when we just want to talk about the goodness of God, how good and kind and compassionate and all of that that God is. There's always somebody out there who wants to say, yeah, but, yeah, but. And, you know, it is true that God Second part of verse 7, I do not excuse the guilty. And he talks about how generations, that verse 7 talks about the generations who are either blessed or who are either harmed by the way their parents and grandparents committed themselves to keep the commands of God. 
don't get too hung up on the thousands of generations and the three or four generations. Don't get too hung up on that right now. The only thing I want you to see is this. God just said, depending on how you respond to my commands, your kids and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren are going to be affected by that, either positively or negatively, okay? But now I want us to drop down to verse 21 because between verse uh, 8 and 21, God uh, talks to Moses again about some of these commandments, but he gets very specific with this one in verse 21. He says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day, you must stop working. Listen to this. Even during the seasons of plowing and harvest. I spent close to half my life in the Mississippi Delta, and uh, there were a lot of seasons of plowing and harvest. Uh, and, and God was saying to these, it was an agra- agrarian culture. He said, but even when you're plowing and harvesting, I want you to observe this Sabbath commandment to rest. Now, I want us to dig into that just a little bit because that is a very, very important commandment, uh, that commandment uh, or the Sabbath commandment. Um, I tried to do some research on this. I couldn't find uh, really a lot of good answers, but I, I will tell you this. I've read through the Bible numerous times, and, and I have to say, at least in my experience in my reading, I believe God mentions this Sabbath command more than any other of the commandments that he gave. It just comes up time and time and time again in the Bible. In fact, the, uh, the, the Sabbath, the Sabbath command is used, I, I did figure this out, over 140 times in the Bible. So it's, it's really a big, big deal to God, this commandment about the Sabbath. And so he, he, he said, uh, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, to honor the Sabbath to keep it holy and don't do any work on that day. Uh, So why did God give that command? Why did God give his people this command about the Sabbath, about every, on on the seventh day uh, of every week, I want you to pull aside and I want you to, to worship and I want you to rest. Why did God give them that? Well, I think we answered it in the very first things that God said to Moses. He said, you know why I'm giving you these commandments? It's because I'm loving, I'm gracious, I'm compassionate, I'm full of loving kindness. And uh, Joel talked about this last week, did a great job on it. He gave the commandments for our good. Not to punish us, not to make life miserable. He gave the commandments so that our lives would be blessed. And so that in obeying them, we would have the best opportunity to have great lives and impactful lives. He gave us the commandment. He gave Israel the the Sabbath commandment because he loved them and because he wanted their lives to be blessed. Do you all understand that, what I'm saying there? 
Do you get that? God didn't give us the commandments uh, in order to make us miserable. He set these boundaries to protect us because he loves us. So what were they supposed to do on the Sabbath? Which all of us know the Sabbath uh, in, in their world was on a Saturday. What were they supposed to do on the Sabbath? Well, they were supposed to do two things. First of all, they were supposed to gather together uh, and, and worship. Uh, a really interesting thing. See, I'm reading a wiki ahead of y'all, so I, I see some things y'all haven't seen yet. Really interesting thing over in Leviticus chapter 23, which you'll be reading this week. Uh, God says to Moses, I have set aside certain days. These are very special times. And these are days, every one of these, I want you to set aside that time for, a, for sacred assembly. And guess what? the first of those days was. He talked about all the feasts, Passover, you know, Pentecost, uh, Feast of Shelters, Day of Atonement, all of those things. But you know what the very first day listed is in Leviticus chapter 23? It is the Sabbath. He listed those right along with all of these other days. And he says, on that particular day, I want you to pull aside and I want you to have a time of sacred assembly. And that time of sacred assembly was, was meant to be a, a time of confession, a, a time of recommitment to God, a time when we do just what we've done this morning. We come together, we worship Him, we commit to Him. If we have things on our hearts we know are not right, we confess before Him. We, we just reconnect to God. And He said, I want you to do that, listen, every single week. So God thought that was kind of important. Also, he said, but also on that day, I want you to rest, okay? I want you to rest from your normal labor. I don't want you to do any of that kind of stuff. So it was a day, the Sabbath day was a day of worship, and then it was a day of rest, okay? Now, I'm, I'm hearing what some of you are thinking right now, but yeah, Jay, that was, but that was the law, right? That was the law. We're not under the law, right? And the answer to that is you're right. We're not under the law. We've been set free from the law. But this is something that is <clears throat> very important for all of us to understand. Whether it's Old Testament law, New Testament law, whatever, behind every law that God gave to his people, there is a principle the law was for them in that time. We've been set free from that law. But listen, this is really important. The principle is eternal. The principle is forever. And behind that Sabbath law is a Sabbath principle that does impact our lives. And so, yes, it still does apply to us. That principle applies to us. And uh, it's, it's, it's real simple. So here's the Sabbath principle. The Sabbath, the Sabbath principle just says this. Set, a day, uh, set aside a day every week to worship and to rest. Simple principle. Set aside every, day, uh, every week a day 
to worship and to rest. Now, we know that we Christians, most of us, don't, we don't worship on Saturday anymore. We worship on Sunday. Uh, we have some folks, obviously, who have to work on Sunday, so they have to figure out different ways to do this. But he said, here's the principle I want you to live by because I love you and I want your lives to be good and meaningful and rich and useful. Here's the principle. Set aside a day every week to worship and to rest. And so for most of us, we, it, that, that day is Sunday. And we set aside a day that involves a sacred assembly, a time when we come together with the body of Christ and we worship the Lord together. We worship Him. And in that time, it's a sacred assembly. If we have to confess our sin, if we have to, be, if we have to recommit our lives to Christ, we do those kinds of things. And obviously, God thinks that we're going to all have times when we need to confess something, when we need to recommit our lives to Jesus. In fact, he says, I want you to do this every week. Most of us need to do that every day, right? He said, but I want you to do that together as a gathering every week. And from the very beginning, there was something very, very special in the heart of God about his people coming together as a community of faith. Really important to be a part of a community, part of a worshiping community. So he said, every day, here's the principle, I want you to come together. Um, every week, one day, I want you to come together to worship. And do you see the benefit of that? Do you see the spiritual benefit? God says, I want you to be able to be refreshed spiritually at least once a week. And you need to be refreshed spiritually with a body of believers. You need to be refreshed spiritually every week in order to be able to walk through the other six days of the week with some semblance of sanity and some semblance of knowing who I am, who my God is, where I belong, God's walking with me, and the whole thing. Very, very, very important in the heart of God. So, that's the first part, right? It's a day of worship. We call it the Lord's Day, Sunday. But for every believer, the Sabbath principle says you need to set aside a day every week to worship. But what's the other side of that? To rest. To rest. How many of y'all take a Sunday afternoon nap? Do y'all do Oh, yeah, a lot of hands. I'm telling you what. I get home and I eat and I'm gone, okay? <clears throat> I love it. And, uh, you know, by Sunday afternoon, I need it. I need it. Rest is important. Do y'all uh, realize that rest is really important? It's really important. And yet so many people uh, don't ever take any time just to rest their bodies you see what God is saying? He says, once a week, you need to be refreshed spiritually, and you also need to be refreshed physically and emotionally. It's the way you're able to navigate life in a healthy kind of way. And it's very, 
very important. You see the love of God and all that saying, this is what I want you to do. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question real quick. Have you ever, uh, don't, don't raise your hand or anything, but have you ever wondered why we don't have Sunday night church around here? Look, I grew up, I grew up going to, I mean, I'm a preacher's kid. So, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, usually Sunday afternoon, we had youth choir. Uh, so Sunday was, I mean, we were in church like the whole day, except for two or three hours in the afternoon. And then uh, Wednesday nights and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I grew up in that first two churches I pastored. We did that. I came here. Uh, we actually did it for a few years. And I said, you know what? We ain't going to do that anymore. Two reasons, okay? Uh, the first reason was <laughs> nobody was coming, okay? Let me tell you a more important reason. I'm, I, I've got a very strong conviction about this. We Baptists in our zeal to worship and honor the Lord and all that kind of thing, every Sunday we're violating the Sabbath principle. And it's a sin against God. Now, don't you go out and tell your friends who go to church on Sunday night they're sinning, okay? Don't do that. But I'm telling you, where's the rest in that? Where is the rest in that? We're not resting. You know what God said? No, I want you to rest on Sunday. I want you to take your time at least to do something different than, than what you do every other day of the week. I want you to rest. I want you to be mentally rested, spiritually rested, physically rested, so that you can be restored once a week, then to be full speed the other six days and full speed for me. Does that make sense to y'all? A day for worship and a day for rest. And it's what, what I call rhythm. God wants his people to live their lives in a healthy rhythm. You've heard me talk about this before. I've just called it the rhythm of remembrance. But God has set this in place. He did it for his ancient people, and he does it for us as well. He sets in place a rhythm whereby if we will just do what he says, our lives will be healthy and rhythmic. And what happens when we start to ignore the Sabbath principle? Well, one thing that happens is our lives get out of rhythm. Have you ever missed church three or four or five weeks and you just don't feel like, I mean, you just get out of, you get out of rhythm. And that's a dangerous kind of place to be. You know, out of rhythm, uh, Jason, what happens when, uh, when the drummer gets out of rhythm with everything else up here? It is bad. It messes everything up, you know. And uh, Brian... I know you never get out of rhythm, okay? But, or, or what happens if, if, if the person up here is singing a solo and, and, the, and, and the choir and our band is, is going right along and they are totally out of rhythm, they're totally off the beat, and, and, and we're all out there looking like, good grief. Uh, you know, help us get through this. You know, when, when you get out of rhythm, things are not good. When I was in the ninth grade, uh, a lot of you might not believe this, but... 
I, I never was really fast, but I ran track, and uh, because I couldn't run the sprints, uh, the coach dis- discovered that I could run hurdles. You know what the hurdles are? You know, you had the low hurdles and the high hurdles. Our, our coach was a great guy, great Christian guy. He was about 6'6". Six, six. He ran the high hurdles for Mississippi State. And so he comes into our, our little school and he says, you're going to run the hurdles, not the high hurdles. I wasn't talking about for that, but the low hurdles. So, you know what? Uh, I kind of liked it. I, the very first time, the very first race I ever raced in, uh, you know, track meet, I actually tied our school record. First time I ever ran it. And so I think the coach said, you know, this guy may not be all that bad, so, but his technique is terrible, okay? And my technique was terrible. You know, between, between uh, uh, hurdles, uh, at least when we ran way back in the day, you were supposed to take like four strides, four strides, jump, four strides, jump. You know what I was doing? I was taking five strides, jump, Five strides, jump the other leg. Five strides, you know. <laughs> but you know what? It worked for me. <laughs> I, um, I tied the school record. I'm thinking, man, I'm pretty good. And he said, well, you know what? We're going to make you better. And so he started getting me to lengthen out my stride and to try to uh, go four strides between the hurdles instead of five. And you know what I did? I almost killed myself totally ruined my rhythm I remember trying so hard and and getting my foot up like this and instead of going over the hurdle my foot went under it and uh, I would have this massive crash and have you ever fallen down on a cinder track let me tell you that hurts I had skin up knees and hips and elbows I was miserable and I never learned to do it his way and I never even claimed, came close to uh, <laughs> tying the record again. You know why? It's because even though my technique wasn't very good, I had my own rhythm and it was, it was smooth and it worked for me. You know what? If you ignore the rhythm that God wants to put into your life, You do it at your own peril and at your own risk because people whose lives are out of rhythm end up falling down and getting skinned up and hurt. And God says, I don't want you to live that way. People whose lives are out of rhythm spend their lives in anxiety and fear and and anger and frustration and all of that stuff just simply because they have ignored the command of God that says, I want you to keep your life in rhythm. And one powerful way to do that is the Sabbath principle. Now, look, I'm not, this today, what I'm doing today, this is not about making you feel guilty, any of that stuff. I learned a long time ago that doesn't work for very long. What I'm just trying to do is to present to you the truth, the truth. That if you and I would just do what God says, and today specifically on this thing of the Sabbath principle, we're going to find that our lives are going to begin to get back into rhythm. And that's a powerful and a beautiful thing. And it's interesting that God said to, to Moses, 
And by the way, I'm, can I chase a rabbit for about 30 seconds? So when, when God said to Moses, I'm compassionate and gracious and, and full of loving kindness and slow to anger and all of that, uh, say, I'm ahead of you all a week in my reading. You're going to read it this week where God is once again ready to just wipe these people off the face of the earth. Do you know what Moses reminded God of? He reminded him of the very words that he spoke in Exodus 34. Do you know it's very important to know the Word of God and it's very important to pray the Word of God back to God? There is nothing more powerful than saying, Lord, I trust your Word and I trust what you say. And let me tell you, God is going to answer that prayer. Okay. But then he says that depending on how you guys respond to these commandments that I'm giving you today, it will, listen, this is really important, it will affect generations to come. either positively or negatively. Do you know why I think that young adults, millennials, are dropping out of the church at record rates? You want me to just be really honest with you? It's because my generation of people, my generation of Christians, baby boomers, decided somewhere along the line that it's really not that important to be in church on Sunday. I mean, it's just really not that important. It's really not that important to take a day of rest. It's just not that important. Oh, we may, we may you know, go to church once a month or once every two weeks or, or whatever. You know, we've gotten to a point now in America where... Uh, regular attenders or people who, who attend at least two weeks. Uh, and I'm, I've heard recently it's just one week a month, regular attenders. Let me tell you, no, they're not regular attenders. They're people whose lives are out of rhythm. They're out of rhythm. And you know what you do when you allow your life to get out of rhythm? You teach your children that that's okay. You teach your children that the church really is not that important. And I think as a result, my generation has unleashed a whole generation of young adults who are literally adrift and their lives are out of rhythm and they're desperately craving some rhythm in their lives, but they don't know what it is or where to find it. And I want you to know, it's really important to pay attention to what God says about how to live our lives. Would you all agree with that? You know, we say we love God. Do you know what Jesus says? He says, you love me if you obey me. It has nothing to do with the way you feel. It has everything to do with what you do. And so what I want to do today is just encourage you to rethink the Sabbath 
principle. And to make it a priority in your life, I want to encourage every adult in this room, whether you're a parent or a grandparent or somebody who has any influence over the next generation, I want to encourage you to rethink the Sabbath principle. And I encourage you to do it, first of all, because it's what God said to do. That's a pretty good reason, isn't it? But secondly, I want to encourage you to do it because of what it will do in your own life. The rhythm that it will bring to your life. And then I encourage you for what it will do with your kids and your grandchildren. Because I promise you this. What you and I do with the commands of God will either negatively or positively influence our children. I thank God for the millennials who are in this room. You guys turn the tide, okay, with your kids. Stay in rhythm. And by just what you do, train your children. This is important. It may mean that you you have to Stop doing some of the things that you find yourself doing every Sunday. I understand that there are times when, when all of us need to be away. I'm not going to be legalistic about that. You know, we need a vacation every now and then. Uh, but I'm just talking about as a general principle of life. If there's something in your life that is taking you away from being faithful to the Sabbath principle, you might want to reconsider it and say, you know what? This is priority. Let's look at our bottom line this morning. God gave the Sabbath command for the blessing of his people from generation to generation. And look, I know more than most of you. Sometimes going to church can be not the most exciting thing in the world, okay? Not that much around here, I'm telling you. But uh, so don't just say, God, it's just boring. Don't let your kids tell you that. Let me tell you, Mom, Dad, do not let your children decide where you go to church. Do not do that. Your children are not mature enough to make that decision. Don't find yourself in in, in a place where you're saying, well, all their friends are going over there. Now, where does God want you? Where does he want you? Well, I just don't want my kids to feel like they have to go to church because, because you know what? When they get older, they won't want to go to church. That is a bunch of baloney, okay? Look, don't tell me that. I'm a preacher's kid. Do you know I was in church every time the doors were open? <laughs> I'm dating myself. We didn't have a youth ministry back when I was growing up. We had a youth choir. That was about it. We didn't have a youth ministry. You know where I was on Wednesday nights? I was in church. 
You know where my friends were? Most of them were somewhere else. I was there. Sometimes bored to tears because I was in this prayer meeting with all these old people. (laughs) But you know what? I look back now and I thank God for those days. What precious memories and how God built into me not a resentment of the church, not, not, a, not a feeling that I don't want to go because I was made to go. No, I want to be there. It's a part of who I am. It's just built into me. Don't let your kids talk you out of it. They're going to try, okay? They're going to try. Don't you buy it. God gave them to you to raise. He didn't put them in your family to run your family okay am I being clear enough don't forget the Sabbath principle your kids future will be greatly impacted by the way you respond to it okay so here's our, our, our next step everybody if you would just take out the, uh, the card the connection card because it's on the back there take that out I'm going to see you taking them out Okay. This is the suggested response. It's certainly not the only one. I will make the Sabbath principle a priority in my family. Stop making excuses and playing games. Just say, you know what? It's going to be a priority. Because this is the way God wants us to live our lives. And if I have to rearrange some things, I'll just rearrange some things. This will be a priority. And you will never regret it. I promise you. I'm going to leave us in a word of prayer. And uh, we're going to respond to whatever it is that God has said to your life. Maybe it has to do with this. I hope so. That's what we've been talking about. Uh, maybe God's dealing with you about something else entirely. Maybe today you came in with a burden to, uh, to give your life to Christ. And to follow him. And all of us, I hope, came today with a burden to follow him fully as followers of Jesus. Whatever it is, I want you to respond to him. Say yes to him today. We're going to open our altars. If you need to come and pray at the altar, someone will come pray with you. You can respond right where you are. Let's just respond to God this morning. Stand with me if you would, and I'm going to leave some prayer. Lord, we love you. We praise you today. I thank you for giving us a way to live. I thank you for loving us enough to, to uh, Lord, give us boundaries. Love us enough to give us a principle like the Sabbath principle where you made it clear you want us to take a day every week to worship you and then to